Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Inside the Winner's Circle here on the Win Life Podcast with Awilda Rivera. I am super excited today because I have Ali Bashuk with me. She is so many things to so many people, but most importantly, she is just a multi-passionate, super successful millennial who didn't let anyone tell her you have to just only do and love and be one thing. So, Allie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Awilda. That was really nice. <laughs> well, it's all the <laughs> truth. You know, and just so you listeners know a little bit more about Allie's background, she is one of the co-founders of the Dream Warriors Foundation that was founded in 2011, which is an amazing uh, space centered around unifying women and non-binary individuals, both online and in real life. They host amazing events. They have an online magazine and even offer grants to help other dream warriors out there go and live the success that they truly desire. Among that, or in addition to that, she's also the director uh, Bell Jar Director at the Goat Farm, which is a very well-known artist community here in the Atlanta area, and the owner and proprietor of Brutal Studio, a design studio that specializes in different mixed media installations. So, man, Allie, like, whoa, so many good things. I literally have goosebumps, if you guys can see my hairs are all standing up. You know, I'm not just trying to make Allie feel good, although I'm sure it feels good. Um, But it's more about just being in awe of a person who really decided, hey, I'm going to identify the things that I really want to do, and I'm just going to get out there and do them. And it's so um, symbolic of what a lot of other people, a lot of you listeners out there you know, want to do and have questions about, can I do things that may not seem quote unquote related and be happy and healthy and well-adjusted? So Ali, you know, let's talk, talk to us. Tell us a little bit about how you got started on this sort of entrepreneurial journey. Sure. Um, I don't really know how it got started. I think it was just I'm born with it. I think I've always wanted to be involved with a lot of things and I've never really been happy with just like one route. And I've also just found interest in a lot of things. And no one job or position really like fulfilled that need for me. So I think, I think it all just sort of speaks to my different personalities and um, yeah. Yeah. So I love (laughs) what you're saying already, Allie, because seriously, so many people are like, well, I don't know if I, I could just be at one thing or do one thing. And what Ali is saying is like, you don't have to <laughs> like that is now a new box, right? That you don't have to live in the, the only one thing box, right? Exactly. So have you, did it start with art? Like was art sort of the gateway um, that led to the other entrepreneurial things? Uh, sort of. I, th- I think it all started when I was in Athens. I, I um, was sort of taken um, under someone's wing, my mentor and close friend, his name is Michael Husky. Um, and he started a magazine called Young, Foxy and Free in Athens. And, and I uh, helped him do that. And it was a free art magazine. And we worked with the community to create photo shoots and have different themed um, issues. It was a quarterly magazine. So each quarter, we had a different themed magazine. And we also worked with um, local advertisers and all that. So it was just like, 
I think juggling a bunch of different things to make something very creative um, really spoke to what I, what I really shine in. And so after that, I started when I moved to Atlanta after I graduated um, college in Athens in 2009. And I started to work for this little uh, known startup called Scout Mob. At the time, <laughs> uh, Scout Mom's no longer really with us. <laughs> By the time it was really hip, it was, you know, it was deals, but it was also about getting out into the city and um, discovering your city. And so I sort of played the role of wildcard, just helping, helping fill a bunch of gaps and doing a bunch of editorial, writing articles about what was cool, what was hip, what restaurants were opening, and then what events to be going to. And so do, in doing that, I met so many people and I was really, really driven. I was like 23 and very hungry to be out there, like meeting people and um, being like all about Atlanta. So I think I was just really passionate and also loved connecting people and community. And through Scout Mob, um, I should also mention when I moved to Atlanta, I brought Young Fox Team Free with me. So we did Athens and Atlanta issues. And so, um, you know, having having a thing to introduce yourself and say, hey, my name is Allie and this is what I'm doing. It just sort of opened up a bunch of uh, windows of opportunity for me to meet so many people um, in, in those situations. So I was, you know, meeting people through Scout Mob and Young Fox Team Free and sometimes double dipping the chip. And... Uh, yeah, I think just meeting a lot of people, I realized I'd like to be creative and connect people and doing that through Scout Mob. I also helped start their online store um, called Shop at the time. And now I think it's it's been rebranded a bunch of times since I left. But it, it was really cool. I started uh, working directly with creatives and artists helping them pick out inventory and I had always you know sort of had a background in like merchandising and styling and retail so it kind of made perfect sense it just sort of used a lot of my uh powers for good to to work on <laughs> the scout mob shop and then um when I uh, this is like a really you know kind of jumbly way of explaining how I got to where I am today um two things were happening simultaneously uh one was I was really out there and in the public, like meeting people, but I wasn't, uh, I, I don't, I think I was just lacking like really uh, deep uh, female friendships. And I think what I wanted to do was share some kind of article about Oprah and feminist theory. And at the time I was still probably Facebook friends with people I went to high school with and just like didn't want, you know, anyone's opinion that I didn't really want their opinion from you know uh -huh. so at the time Facebook had just come out with secret online Facebook groups and so I started one and I called this dream warriors and the idea was that you know this is a women's only group invite your cool girlfriends basically the criteria is you gotta be cool you gotta be liberal you gotta you know be anti-homophobe and racist and all that stuff so um and yeah, from, from that, I guess what I didn't realize is that people needed like a safe space for these, you know, uh, like-minded kinds of women. And so this was 2011. I was, um, yeah, I was single and just wanted to make some friends. And, and so that was sort of the birth of it. And because there was this need for, uh, a safe space for women in, in Atlanta, uh, it just kind of grew. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I should note in the when you introduced me, you had mentioned the foundation was um, born in 2011. It was actually the foundation was born in 2018. The Facebook group was in 2011. Um, but it's all good. No, thank you. Thank you. I, I always want to make sure the listeners have the most correct information. So, um, and you know what, you guys listening, is that if you ever, if you know any ladies in Atlanta or female identifying or non-binary uh, individuals in Atlanta, you know, it is a wonderful, safe space. And it's something that I know I personally, being someone who lives in Atlanta, um, who identifies as a woman, have gotten a lot of out of, and I've always been surprised about it. And even though the foundation has just been established, it really does have a a more senior type of vibe in the sense that it doesn't feel like it, it, it just became a thing. It really does have um, a sort of a... A, what's the word I'm looking for, sort of a, a bloodline, you know, that mm. feels really entrenched. And it's like the people that are participating in it really believe in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a couple of things that you talked about, Allie, that I want to touch on, which is one, um, you didn't wake up when you were like seven and say, I want to create a secret Facebook group one day for ladies and do design and create a magazine right Mm -hmm. but what you so eloquently stated was that you were able to as you were going through life be self-aware enough to recognize your skills you know be understanding what it is that you like to do and how you could leverage those things to really accomplish what you want to do and to continue to sort of position yourself a little bit more each time until you ended up sort of creating something that and took on a life of its own and positioned you to do what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Is that a question? No, it was not a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you're the best. Oh, They're guys, you know, this is... I was like, I don't yeah. know. No, it's more for the audience. <laughs> um but yeah, guys, this is what Ali is really like. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about um, the Bell Jar and the design studio. So, sure, sure. you know, I... you, you said it was very clear that one thing wasn't going to be it for you. So how did those things come to be? Yeah, so I was sort of leading into it when I was saying like simultaneously while I was doing stuff. When I worked for, um, I had always been interested in art. I, I had studied uh, fashion and, and wanted to do... Um, like store merchandising and like store like window installations like ever since I was a little girl that was what I wanted to do and um I I I don't know that wasn't but that's not what I went to school for and I wasn't that passionate about it and at the time I was working for scout mob and I got sort of as as quote wild card for as working for scout mob they always put me in charge of events and so I realized as I was doing them a being really connected and being able to like curate these events really well and making them really exciting. I uh, got tapped to do this huge Halloween party and I guess it was 2011 when we did it or maybe 2010, who knows? And uh, it was at the goat farm and that's sort of, I had, I had already been introduced to the goat farm and had been hanging around there, but I haven't been formally, you know, invited to work directly with them. So I curated this Halloween party with them and co-produced it. And it was like, I'll just toot my own horde. It was smashing and very cool, 
very fun. Uh-huh. We did it for four years in a row. And each year it just got bigger and better and more exciting and sold out every year. We had like 1,500 people there. Um, it was crazy. And I love doing that. I think in producing those events, I just realized I really had a knack for uh, immersive you know, installations and, and really understanding the ins and outs and the logistics of it. So it's not just the creating of it. It's like how it ends up happening and all the key moments. Uh, so, and then also I, now I work for the go farm. That's my actual job. So when I left scout mob pretty shortly thereafter, um, I got recruited by them to take over a program called bell jar. And what that is essentially is I, I connect our community by doing studio visits with each one of our about 250 tenants. Um, and I have studio visits with them and we have a, a variety of artists and practitioners. So they're, you know, as you would imagine, visual artists like painters and illustrators, but also blacksmiths and, and like creative agencies. So it's not all just visual artists, but there's this really amazing ecosystem uh, of people who can help each other. So what I do is it's a little intimidating to be on that property. It's, you know, 12 acres and multiple buildings. And, and when you're there, you're there. And sometimes you're not able to see that the person down the hall from you may have you know, a solution you may need. So people, you know, go to me to find out like, Hey, Allie, do you know someone who could, uh, someone with a drill press or someone who could help me like build this thing. So, um, and it's easy and it's fun and it's easy to solve people's problems when they're not your own, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, something that I love that you just said, Allie was, you know, the way that you, the goat farm opportunity came to you and correct me if I'm, you know, misspeaking was through really a sort of a perfect storm of you being hungry and continuing to pursue the opportunities in front of you, but then also noticing when other opportunities for collaboration that could benefit you came up and seizing them. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the reason why I wanted to have you on um, without even knowing was because I knew that you would have something to offer the audience in terms of, you know, just really unabashedly living your truth and really doing so in a way that feels easy to you, right? Because for someone else, it may, you know, the job of connecting and visiting with 250 people may not be easy. (laughs) But, you know, based on what your skill set is and what you love to do and and how you've paid attention to it, it's the perfect fit. So the other thing I want the listeners to kind of seize on is that in order to win life, you don't necessarily only have to run your own business or only have to be a nonprofit or only have to be focused on a specific thing. You can have a job where you technically work for someone else. As long as in all three of those things, you know, you're like, for example, Allie, in all three of those things, she's connecting people, she's being creative, and she's doing the things that she loves to do in the design studio, at the goat farm, Mm -hmm. and with Dream Wars, right? So even though someone outside may not have seen, and I want you to speak to that, Allie, where when you first, and I mean, I'm sure that people who know you know you, right, and know that you are a little... um, Let's say you're (laughs) unconventional, Um, right? But people who don't know you, who might have said, wow, she's doing these three things. um, 
what would your response be to someone who doesn't see these things as being seemingly connected or what the value might be in doing these three separate things? Oh, I don't think I've things? ever met anyone who, like, felt that way. I mean, other than, like, family members who just don't get it because I'm not a lawyer or a doctor or something. Uh, well, yes, yeah, speak to that. That's, believe it or not, that is one of the number one things <laughs> that a lot of people trying to take their own path to success right. encounter. Um. I don't know. I just, we live in a creative economy and, you know, I do, I, I, I've just found a creative way to make money and I, you know, I'm not a millionaire, but I'm doing just fine. And it's about just putting yourself out there and finding the right opportunities and and finding some stability. I think there is stability on the like gig economy. Um, For me, it's about balance. I have to have like one stable thing so I can have all these other creative, more, gig type uh, opportunities as well yes and can you speak to you know what you feel is balanced because some people would say oh man then if you have to have this job then are you compromising is it still the same like are you really living it what would you say to that I'd say that if you love what you're doing and, you know, if you're making a living, you know, they call it making a living because you're living <laughs> and you make money off of it. Like you should be doing something that's ultimately benefiting your, you know, quote brand. Uh, I hate kind of saying that kind of thing, but like if it's on brand for you and that's like what you want to be doing ultimately, then, you know, that's, that's what you should be doing. And you should be making money off of what you're doing too. You shouldn't ever be doing something for too little. And, uh, you know, I I think I deal with that a lot with, you know, especially like emerging artists who, you know, they don't think that painting can, you know, make the money. It's like, well, you got to find a way to do it. You have to be a set designer. You have to, you know, you have to find a way to be painting, doing something that like, or, or, or doing something creative. Like you shouldn't be doing a desk job if you want to be an artist, if that doesn't serve you. Yeah. Oh, I love what you're saying, Allie, because essentially what you're saying is number one, hey, if this opportunity coming up and look, maybe you're not an artist, maybe you're someone listening and you're like an inventor or you are, you know, in medicine or whatever, you know, whatever, this can still apply to you, right? It's not just about artists. So if the opportunity that's showing up is one that's actually in alignment with getting you moving towards the success that you truly desire, then Allie is saying, hey, go after it, go do it. Because even if someone doesn't see how it's in alignment, they're not privy to your vision. They don't know what skills or experience you may be trying to amass to make yourself more viable or more credible or more of an expert so that you can achieve that success. Go after it. The other thing that she said that really, I don't think people can say enough is know Mm -hmm. your value know your value, whatever your little widget is or your service is, know what it is that you're offering. And and of course, right, and I'm sure Allie would jump in here if she disagrees, but like if your specialty is like stick figure <laughs> drawing, right, and, and I'm just being a little silly here, you may not right out the gate charge a lot for your stick figure drawing, right? But if you become the flipping Basquiat of stick figure drawings, then eventually you're going to charge a lot. And 
you know, you don't become the Basquiat of Sixer drawing by waiting for someone mm-hmm. else to tell you that. You become that because you set yourself apart, right? So similarly for all of you who are like, what is she talking about? You know, if we're talking about entrepreneurship or professional stuff that's more in-house, corporate, whatever, right? You need to distinguish yourself by what it is that you're doing and not settle for being cheapened by whatever someone's willing to pay you. You know, and that may mean sometimes saying no to mm-hmm. things. Like, have you ever had, like, what has your experience been with that, Alice? You know, turning things down or oh, people trying to lowball you? I, I think it could, you know, I think I made the mistake pretty early on when I first went freelance, like, taking jobs that weren't right for me, but I saw them as money opportunities. So I said yes. And I knew even before I said yes, I knew I should have said no. And everything about it just felt wrong. Like, it was... You know, I'm not a very good writer, but I get writing opportunities because I work for Scout Mom. I did some writing, but I had a really good editor. So it's like, I just looked like I was better than I actually was. Anyway, um, which I can admit <laughs> to because it's just not my strength. I'm okay at it, but I wouldn't pay me to be a writer. And so I was getting some writing opportunities early on. And it was just like, I knew I was like such an imposter, not imposter syndrome. Like, you know, some people get, but like a true imposter and uh yeah anyway so ever since then I'm like I'm not doing that again so I say no to things that just don't feel I can just I have a feeling in my gut that like I know you're contacting me but I'm not the person you want you want me to connect you to someone a little better qualified or or even if that's not the case if it's just like I don't have enough time or this isn't enough money to make or worth my while you can't pay me enough then I'll find someone who I think would do who could really use that kind of money or they're starting out or something like that Yeah, and that's also great, you know, great advice for all you guys listening. It's like, listen, a no doesn't mean that you're ungrateful or you're closing yourself down to the law of attraction or whatever. It means that you're able to more readily uh, acknowledge and you have refined what the boundaries are for what Mm -hmm. you're willing to do. Right. So I was just going to say, when I say yes to something, it feels really right now. Like I know for a fact that I want to do it and I'm charging enough and it's going to be a good opportunity. And, you know, because, because I can say no to things. Yeah. That's always a great litmus test. You know, people too often, I think, write off the feeling that you get in your gut. And I think what Ali's saying here is really important to remember that like intuitively, we're always going to have a hunch about something. And some of us may be more connected to that, you know, the way that Ali or I are, and some of us may be a little bit less connected to that. But that's just a muscle that you could strengthen. And it's a great um, sort of a checks and a balance to the moments where your ego or fear may pipe up and say, oh, no, no, you should do it because you need that money right now. Um, But you're intuitively being told like, no, you don't need it that bad, or this is not the money you need, you know? So, um, Ali, you have just been so, I mean, you've said so many <laughs> great things on on the show, um, and you've shared so many wonderful tidbits that I think the audience can just run out and apply practically to their life, like, right now. Um, but before we go, I ask every guest, you know, if 
someone is like super charged up and they're like, oh my God, I was so inspired by Ali's, you know, really take no prisoners attitude and the fact that, you know, she's just so confident and, and knows what she wants and she's just going to do it, right? Like if you had one piece of advice or like one mantra for the listener they could take with them and they could apply to to get after it the way you are and win life the way you are, oh, what well, would no that pressure, be? pressure, huh? <laughs> no uh, pressure. I don't know. I guess. Yeah, I guess like going back to the thought of like making a living, right? I think people should be living the way they want to and making figuring out a way to make money doing that. So you're whatever it is that you decide to finance your existence should reflect who you truly are. And uh, I think that that has to be creative in some way. It doesn't mean you're creative with a paintbrush. It can be creative with your lawyer creatively or your, um, you be a doctor creatively, like all those things you can be creative. And so I think just living the way you want to and figuring out a way to, uh, to make money off of that is, is the way to win life. Mm. And, you know, you guys, I hope that you guys really paid attention to what she just said, because there was such a profoundness in the simplicity of it. It's like so many times people take that statement, oh, I'm just making a living as sort of a foregone conclusion. But what Ali's saying is like, yo, you are living like, you know, to use perhaps a a dated term, YOLO. (laughs) You only live once. And even if you believe in karmic reincarnation, you're not going to come back as the essence of the being that you are right, right now in this current present experience in this body doing these things, right? So you're living, live a beautiful, vibrant tapestry and let it fulfill you and motivate you. And, um, Wow, that is so that is so true and so wonderful and and what a a great takeaway to end it on. So, Allie, thank you again so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to be on the show and drop some pearls of wisdom on the audience about what it means to really live and to do something that allows you to live in the way that you want to. Man, and if we could accomplish that, wouldn't we right. all be a little bit happier? Yeah. Right. Uh, so if they want to contact you, if they want to hire you, if they want, you know, how do they reach um, you? You can reach me. Uh, you can. Well, I guess just go to my website, uh, which is my name. And it's Allie, A-L-L-I-E, and then Bashuk, B-A-S-H-U-K, at Gmail. And that just has, oh, no, Gmail, at .com. And it's got also my Gmail, uh, <laughs> email on there, but also on my social media. So you can just go to my website and You'll find um, all the links to like Brutal Studio and Dream Warriors Foundation and um, some stuff about the Go Farm on there too and, and other side projects I've done. And I'm happy to talk to anyone, anytime. Perfect, perfect. Well, all that information will be in the show notes. Thanks again so much for being on and thank you guys for listening. I hope that you can take at least one thing from today's conversation and proactively apply it to your success to your success journey so that you can live the life that you want today. And until next time, get out there and win. <laughs>